The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Lord. Do not your eyes look for truth? You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. I thought, these are only the poor, they're the foolish. For they do not know the way of the Lord, the requirements of their God. So I will go to the leaders and speak to them. Surely they know the way of the Lord, the requirements of their God. But with one accord, they too had broken off the yoke and torn off the bonds. Therefore a lion from the forest will attack them. A wolf from the desert will ravage them. A leopard will live in wait near the towns to tear them to pieces. For their rebellion is great, and their backslidings many. Why should I forgive you? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by gods that are not gods. I supplied all their needs, and yet they committed adultery and thronged the houses of prostitutes. They are well-fed, lusty stallions, each kneeing for another's man's wife. Should I not punish them for that? declares the Lord. Should I not avenge myself of such a nation as this? Go through her vineyards. Ravage them. Do not destroy them completely, but strip off her branches. For these people do not belong to the, to the Lord. The house of Israel, the house of Judah, they've been utterly unfaithful to me. They have lied about the Lord. They said he will do nothing. No harm will come to us. We will never see sword or famine. Jeremiah, the fifth chapter. But again, in the New Testament, very similar words are spoken. I I grieve at these words, but they're accurate words. They're true. James, the fourth chapter. You adulterous people. He's addressing the members of the New Testament church. He's their pastor. He's the brother of Jesus. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you not think that Scripture says without reason that the spirit he causes to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? This is why the Scripture says, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is James, the brother of Jesus, as he speaks to the New Testament church. What would he say today? I think he would say the same thing. I treat books with great respect normally. 
I read them and then I take care of them. But a book entitled How Pentecost Came to Los Angeles by Frank Bartleman, given to me by a dear friend. And I read it. I got so upset reading it that I threw it literally in the corner of my study. And it's been sitting there now for some months. I finally, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, picked it up, began to read it again. I don't like it, but I'll read this portion to you. My not liking it is is my own shallowness. This is from page 69. Evan Roberts, who was the revivalist that really God used to spark the revival in Wales. That revival in Wales went on to spark the Azuzu Street Revival, and others. Evan Roberts tells of his own experience with God. I'll read it, and then we'll talk about it. One Friday night last spring, while praying by my bedside before retiring, I was taken up to a great expanse without time or space. It was communion with God. Before this, I'd had a far-off God. I was frightened that night, but never since. So great was my shivering that I rocked the bed and my brother, being awakened, took hold of me, thinking I was ill. This experience took place every night after this with Evan Roberts for the next three months. From one o'clock until five, he was under this deep conviction of God. He wrote a message to the world about that time as follows. The revival in South Wales is not of men but of God. He was very close to us. There's no question of creed or of dogma in this movement. We are teaching no sectarian doctrine, only the wonder and the beauty of Christ's love. I've been asked concerning my method I have none. I never prepare what I shall speak, but leave that to him. I'm not the source of the revival, but only one agent among what is growing to be a multitude. I wish no personal following, but only the world for Christ. I believe that the world is upon the threshold of a great religious revival and pray daily that I may be allowed to help bring this about. Stop a moment. I believe the same now. I believe we are coming to the very last times of earth's history and that God is going to release once more a great move of his spirit over this land. I don't want a following. I don't want to be somebody. I just want to lift up Jesus. And I'm praying that he will give me the ability in his spirit to cut through this casual, worldly American church 
he will bring great conviction upon us. I said, I I threw this book in the corner. I didn't want to read anymore. Made me angry and upset. But here, wonderful things happened in Wales in a few weeks. But these were only the beginning. The world was swept by the Spirit as by a rushing, mighty wind. Many who are now silent Christians will lead the movement. They will see a great light and will reflect this light to the thousands who now stand in darkness. This is Evan Roberts speaking. Thousands will do more than we have accomplished as God gives them power. Evan Roberts had a a wonderful, beautiful humility about him. I want that humility in my heart, in my life. An English eyewitness writes of the revival in Wales, Such real travail of soul for the unsaved I have never before witnessed. I have seen young Evan Roberts convulsed with grief and calling on his audience to pray. Don't sing, he would exclaim. Don't sing. It's too terrible to sing. Conviction has often been lifted from the people by too much singing. Another writer declared, It was not the eloquence of Evan Roberts that broke men down, but it was his tears. He would break down, crying bitterly for God to bend them. In agony of prayer, the tears coursed down his cheeks. With his whole frame writhing, strong men would break down and cry like children. Women would shriek. A sound of weeping and wailing would fill the air. Evan Roberts, in the intensity of his agony, would fall in the pulpit, while many in the crowd often fainted. Of the latter work in India, we read, the girls in India so wonderfully wrought upon and baptized with the Spirit. Began by terrifyingly beating themselves under deep conviction of their need and their sin. Great light was given them. When delivered, they jumped up and down for joy, for hours without fatigue. In fact, were stronger for it. They cried out with a burning that came into them and upon them. Some fell as they saw a great light pass before them, while the fire of God burned the members of the body of sin, pride, anger, love of the world, selfishness, uncleanness, etc. They neither ate nor slept until the victory was won. Then the joy was so great that for two or three days receiving this baptism of the Holy Spirit, they did not care for food. About 20 girls went into a trance at one time and become unconscious. And then, for hours, they lay there, some three or four days. During that time, they they sang and prayed and clapped their hands, rolled about or sat still. When they became conscious, they told of seeing a throne in heaven, a white-robed throng, and glory so bright. They could not bear it. Soon the whole place was aflame. School had to be suspended. 
They forgot to eat or sleep. And whole nights and days were absorbed in prayer. The Spirit was poured out upon one of the seeking girls in in the night. Her companion, sleeping next to her, awoke, and seeing the fire enveloping her, ran across the dormitory and brought a, a pail of water to dash upon her, thinking she was on physical fire. In less than an hour, nearly all the girls in the compound were weeping and praying and confessing their sins. Many of these girls were invested with a strange and beautiful and supernatural fire. I could read more. But as I read portions of this, I felt the New Testament church, Bartleman writes, was failing God and was looking to see where the Spirit might come forth. They tried to take the edge off my message in many places. My aim was too straight for them. But I was determined the devil should not escape me. The curse everywhere was Spiritual pride. Hiding their nakedness from God. But away with everything that will not bear the test of God's word. And away with with the religious spirit, the party spirit. Souls must be reached and saved. To hinder God's message is like catching lightning bolts in one's hand. Part of what made my my comfort, my discomfort so strong in reading this book and why I tossed it away is he addresses very clearly this issue of spiritual pride of being comfortable in the American life. Not recognizing that it's time to clean up, to get right with God. I was awakened with a dream this morning. In the dream, I walked into a into a room Beer bottles were on the floor and beer cans. On the table, there was hard liquor bottles. There were condoms on the floor. Furniture had been rearranged. It was obvious that this had been the site of a a great party. And it was a very immoral party. These are going on all over the country. Sexual perversion of every wicked kind. Couples swapping partners. Every kind of lust is being fulfilled. Some of you are participating in that. The Lord told me that many who listen to this broadcast are totally unclean before Almighty God, doing things that you know you should not be doing. You know in your spirit you're called of God, but you're playing with the devil. The Lord said to me, It's time to clean up, Ray. It's time to clean up. It is time to clean up. The sexual perversion, the lying and the cheating, 
every kind of unclean thing in the church as well as out of the church. It's all happening. And it's leaving behind a filthy residue that must be scrubbed from our lives. Now is not the time to be drunk. Now is not the time to be playing with somebody else sexually. Now is not the time for bitterness and anger and judgment, condemnation. Now is not the time to pleasure ourselves in America. America is about to be struck. Mark my words. Come close. Hear what I'm saying. America is going to be struck by the hand of God. And you will know that it was Almighty God, because I'm telling you ahead of time. I'm not a prophet. I just read the scriptures. And I tell you what they say. Now, why was I so uncomfortable with this book? Because Frank Bartleman gave himself over to intercessory prayer at such a, a level, at such a excruciatingly painful level that it made me tremble at my own shallowness. At my own love of comfort. Now some of you say, Pastor, we're okay. We're forgiven. We're on our way to heaven. Oh yes, you're speaking about that wicked lie of God will do nothing. God loves us. It's that unconditional love bug that has so infected with fever the American church. So we love the world's music. We just brought it into the church and baptized it and said, now it's our music. We've gone after every unclean thing. kind of laid back and casual. Why? Because we're on our way to heaven. I don't think so. Where's the harvest? Where's the passionate cry for the lost? Where's the divorcing of everything that God hates? putting it aside, casting it off. If I ask some of you, is there anything between your heart and Jesus' heart? You'd say, oh no, I'm fine. But you're not. How do I know that? A lack of fervor, a lack of hunger for God a love of the things of this world, a love of darkness. A love of money. Maybe you don't participate in the in the parties that are fueled by music and alcohol, sex. So you think, Oh, I'm I'm good to go. I'm all right. No, you're not. There must come from our hearts a great cry for revival. What do I mean by the word revival? Let's be very clear. It's not a hard word to understand. It means bringing people 
under such conviction that they will turn aside from everything of this world, the flesh and the devil, and they will pursue the Lord Jesus Christ and obedience to Jesus. That's what we need. A turning of the heart back to God. Some of you will go to church and you'll sit there casually. I'm going to make it. I'm doing everything right. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because you lack a passion for Jesus. It's just sentimental. Got to move past that sentimental love for Jesus and move into action in, in behavior, in obedience, and in spending yourself for the life of others. Crying out to God for the gifts of the Spirit. I lack some very key gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I cannot be silent. I cannot be comfortable until those gifts are given. They are the gifts that bring people to a, to a startling consciousness that there is a God. And we are called to worship that God. And we are called to serve him with all of our hearts and minds and time and energy and money. Because the end of the world is upon us. I lack the gift of physical healing for the sick. That was the way Jesus announced himself in the villages. That was how he drew a crowd. I walk with a walker with a broken leg. I'm crying out to God that he would heal me for this broken leg. Please pray for me. I can't do the work of the gospel as I should if I'm crippled. And yet at the same time, in this state of being crippled, God is awakening my soul and calling me into the deep. What does he need to do in your life to awaken you and call you into the deep? You're so fat and happy and comfortable. What does God have to do to America to break our comfortableness in our wickedness? We must be awakened. This broadcast is to awaken you. To awaken you. To cause you to cry out to God. Get on your face before God. Weep before him and seek his face. And turn aside from all the worldliness. You want Jesus? Then you're going to have to spend the time and energy in the reading of scripture and in prayer to find Jesus. Scripture tells us, if any one of you is in trouble, he should pray. We're in trouble. The church is in trouble. It's time to wake up. All right, just relax. You're all right. No, I'm not. Neither are you. You're not all right. I'm not all right. What do you mean, Ray? I mean, you're comfortable and happy in the world. Thinking you can just sail through until Jesus comes and raptures you away, and then you get to go to heaven. And I tell you, before the catching away comes, according to the book of Revelation, there's going to be a famine. And people are going to starve to death, and you may be one of them. We're being warned by, by people who are not Christian that we're facing a famine in America. That people are going to die. Are you ready for that? 
Are you close enough to God that you can reach out and ask him to please give you the manna and he will provide for you? No, I don't think you are. We're being warned by secular economists that our economy is dying and that soon store shelves will be empty. It's not Pastor Ray saying it's the It's the economists on the mainstream news. Are you watching? Are you listening? Are you awake? More than 80% of Americans are, in a recent poll, said they could not afford to buy a new American car or a Japanese car or any other car. They're too far in debt. They can't be approved for loans. And they have no cash. Baby boomers. The richest generation that's ever come upon the shores of America. Half of them have no retirement money. And many of them are being forced into homelessness. Rich children not taking care of their parents, but letting them go out on the streets homeless. What do you think God thinks of this country? No, we're in trouble. No, can I be more blunt? You are in trouble. Because your money is going to run out. And you're deep in debt. And you're going to lose the source of your income. What are you going to do then? Where are you going to live then? Maybe we'll see the necessity of moving in with one another. Oh, I couldn't do that. Okay, go on the streets, mister. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? There has to be a change. Don't go to church and sing a little song and hear a preacher say a little bit of inspiration about strategies for success or listen to even boring, dry orthodoxy and say, okay, I've had that button checked. I'm out of here. Are you kidding me? You've got to go after God now. Don't sit down and watch your television. Don't sit down and look at your YouTubes. Don't sit down and watch all the news. Don't watch your TikToks. Get to God. You're going to die. Are you... Okay with that? You okay with being homeless? What are you going to do on the streets? Are you okay when you can't pay the mortgage? You can't cover your car? There's a huge problem developing in the American car industry because cars aren't selling. And many cars are being repoed. Lots are full of repossessioned cars. Is your one is your car one of them? Will it be? How long can you hold on? Now, some of you are going to say, Pastor, you're just preaching doom and gloom. That's what they said back in Nehemiah's day. Back in uh, what I just what I just read to you, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, I just read it to you. People saying, "God's not going to do anything to us. He loves us." 
Worst people. No, my brother, my sister. The judgment of God is about to fall upon America. And many of you are going to say, Why would God do such a thing? I'm a good person. I go to church. Oh, my brother, my sister. What can I say to you to cause you to lay aside your novels, to lay aside your movies, to lay aside your lust after the things of this world, and seek Jesus Christ? I mean, at a level you've never imagined seeking him. Seeking him in the prayer closet and saying, Lord, I don't even know how to pray to you. I pray a few minutes and I'm all out of words. I don't know how to pray. Most of you do not have any idea how to inter- intercede with God, how to pray, how to search for him. You've never done it. You've never seen it done. I saw it done in this book by Frank Bartleman and it made me so uncomfortable I threw it in the corner of the of the studio. But now it's back and I'm doing what I'm talking about. It's time. Get out of your comfortable, cushy comfort in the corner where you can do whatever you want to do, buy whatever you want to buy, and find Jesus. We've got to have a revival in this land or we're going to die. And the only way that revival is going to come is if you cut off everything of the wicked darkness, all of your enjoyment of the things of this world, and you begin to pray revival prayer. And when you begin to pray that, it'll become a very expensive prayer because the Holy Spirit will begin to point out things in your life that you need to get rid of. And if you'll obey, and continue to press in. Your pressing in will become more and more sincere. It'll take more and more time. It'll take tears. It'll take reality. And if you seek God with all of your heart, if you come near to God, God will come near to you. So wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's what Pastor James says in the fourth chapter of James. All right, let's pray. Are you ready? Or you can just turn it off and run. Forget what you heard. I'm astonished by people will come and listen to a few minutes of this broadcast and then off they go. Stop it. Begin to listen to the word of God and obey it and recognize that we're in trouble. The church is on a crash course with an iceberg, and it is going to sink. And the church, as you know it, will no longer exist. It will be finished. Let's pray. Lord, I come now to pray. Earnestly seek your heart. I don't know how to do it very well. I'm just still really clumsy at trying to get over myself and get to you. But Lord, I'm coming with an honest heart to say, I've cut off everything in my life that I know is not of you. It's my desire to obey you in every respect. So that means I've turned off the world. But I'm still clumsy. 
and I don't quite know how to pray. But I come seeking your face, Jesus. Mighty God of heaven, I come seeking your face. I'm asking for revival. I'm asking that men and women would come and listen to this broadcast and be so touched by what they hear that they will turn to you and give up their toys and their wickedness and seek your face. Wipe the smiles off our faces and give us tears of repentance. Lord, we're in trouble. I know we're in trouble because yet you're so far away from us. All I know to do is cry out to you, Lord. You said if we would come near to you, you would come near to us. You said wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lord, I'm double-minded. I renounce that. I wash my hands. I ask you to purify my heart. And I ask you to do this for every person listening to this broadcast. Lord, I don't want to continue in any slowness of heart before you. I give you my time and energy to cry out before your throne for revival. I ask that deep, heartbroken conviction would begin to fall upon the church, but first upon me. Lord, let there be no pride in my heart. I'm not somebody. I'm nobody. I praise you that I don't have a following. I praise you that I'm not somebody. Lord, I don't want to be anybody but a humble intercessor before your throne for the work of revival to break out in America. But Lord, I see that we're about to be burned. We're about to be destroyed. I'm praying that revival will burst forth in this country, that you will lift up unknown men and women who will begin to speak the truth, that you'll move these modern preachers out of the way who are silver-tongued, empty bags, full of money, full of pride. Lord, don't let them stop your people from seeking your face. Lord, awaken in every church. Awaken those who don't go to church but sit numbly watching the the YouTube of a church service. Lord, awaken your people. Call us out of our darkness and out of our slumber and out of our wickedness. Deal honestly with our hearts. Lord, I know we're in trouble. Because you're so far away from the church today. You're so far away from my heart. Lord, this isn't a time to argue about theology. It's not a time to be defensive. It's time to lay our lives down and acknowledge that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you're coming back for a people who've made a covenant with you by sacrifice. Lord, I make that covenant with you. I belong to the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be double-minded. Lord, change my heart. Give me a new mind and new understanding. And Lord, the same for each person listening to this broadcast right now. Lord, I just cry out to you. Have mercy upon us. Lord, there's no reason why you should not destroy us. Accept your mercy. I plead your mercy over the American people, over your church, that we would turn from our wicked ways, that we would seek your face. Lord, Jeremiah came and preached the same word. 
and nobody would listen. The people's hearts were so hard and so deceived. They said, no, God's not going to do anything to us. We're going to go on worshiping the way we're worshiping. We're going to go on serving the God to Maz. We're going to go on in our wickedness. Lord, don't let that be the the predictor of what's going to happen in America. But Lord, let there be a remnant of your people who will wake up, who will search after you, who will give up their pride and their arrogance. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. You're welcome to come to the church, National Prayer Chapel. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com and you'll find our address. We're a small house church, but we're seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. If you are, you're welcome to come and seek God with us. We want revival. We see the time in our own hearts, in our own minds. Come and worship with us if you're in this Washington, D.C. metro area. We want Jesus. Now, I do have to give a, a quick word, just like at church they take an offering. Well, I have to take an offering here. It's not for me, it's for the church. It's for the work of the church. I don't take money out of the church. You're welcome to to come and participate. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Or right now, you can go to nationalprayerchapel.com and you will see a, a box up on the top of the page. Donate. That's where you click to put your offering in. We're a long ways from where we need to pay for this broadcast. So if God is moving in your hearts... Give as he moves, and there will be more than enough. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I'll talk to you early next week.